Shout out to the Queen B, Beyonce. Shout out to Giselle. Queen B. Beyonce Giselle. Knowles Carter. Carter. There we go. <laughs> Man. Good. That had some that, had, that felt mm, good. Mm. That felt real good. Was that Rich Harrison? Nah, I think that's um Was that Scott? Scott Storch. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Welcome to another week of the State of Black Music podcast. We're kicking it off with a bang. Mm-hmm. Billionaire is here. Claude Kelly is in the building. Chuck Harmony is definitely in the building. And Begging for Making is here. What's going on, y'all? Listen, so much good music to talk about. So many things to talk about. Oh, yeah. But uh, that, that, that opening gave me a vibe. Yeah, man. Yeah. Love, man. love to love you. What you a sample. What a sample. What a sample from the yeah. Queen Donna. Queen Donna Summer. Donna Summer. Man. We don't talk about Donna Summer enough. We don't. And that's terrible. Agreed. I mean, let me look something up real fast. Yeah, okay. she when is. Donna, when Donna passed away in 2012. 2012, May of 2012. Yeah. So 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did 10 years pass? And nothing, like, I feel like nothing big enough happened. Well, I, w- I will say in 2012, she died, like, not too long after Whitney. Mm. So, you know, I think her death just kind of got lost in that whole... Because, you know, they, they spoke on Whitney for the rest of that year. So I didn't, I didn't anybody realize, else I didn't who came after that. Year. I didn't realize it was the same year. Yeah. I don't know when yeah. I thought it was, but somehow I just felt like, yeah, I, I think it, I think it was Etta James, Don Cornelius, Whitney Houston, and then Donna Dinosaur. Summer. Like, we were oh, hit geez. hard in 2012. Right. 2012 was, not, was a rough year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah May, May, uh, May 17th. Not to mention the social unrest stuff that was happening that year as well. But that's another conversation for another. Still episode. happening. Yeah, still happening. 2012, yeah, I remember, you know, I moved to Nashville in 2012, mm. and I didn't move until September of that year, but I was looking for places mm-hmm. before moving here. And so on the flight from L.A., one time from L.A. to Nashville, I was sitting behind Donna Summer and her husband. What? Yes. This is crazy. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> on American Airlines. It was you, American did Airlines. Did you say something? Of course I did. You know me, like, oh, Lord. like and so I was like, the whole time on the flight, I'm like, okay, how do I say so? What's my entry point? What am I gonna yeah, say? Yeah, yeah. The Donna Summer song. Because I'd be nervous. Because I'm. I don't know if I. I don't know if I think. She, I don't know if I. I get the. I don't think she in my mind that she's rude, but I feel like she's professional. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. She is professional. So I. I feel like you. You. You want to make sure you're respecting her time exactly. and her space. I. So when we landed, you know how you go up to grab your bags, you know, from the overhead, mm. and she was literally the seat in front of me. So I just lean up and say, "I love your work." I love your work, Miss Summer. Like you're a legend, iconic. I said something along that line, and she just said, "Thank you so much." And I, you know, and that was it. Like just, it was simple. Like I didn't do a whole exchange, but right. it was just very pleasant. And I could tell, you know, you're on the flight. You don't want to make it a big to right, do, right, right. you know, like. Right. She, but I just had to acknowledge her and just say, "Hey, you know, just yeah." If I'm not mistaken, she's buried in Nashville, Tennessee. I think so. Yeah, yeah. that's. Cr- I didn't and even I did, know. That. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's crazy. See, there's so much Nashville history because that's that, even that is crazy that that's not like a bigger factor. I mean, I guess well, that's what name M is for is, is to highlight that stuff. But yeah. that's crazy that not the Donna Summer is buried in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's it's um man. Time flies, but yeah, Donna Summer. State of Black Music. Such a classic. Crazy. Yeah, crazy. It's, it's, it's crazy because uh, Chuck and I, you know, we're always doing our homework on someone, right? And especially when we're doing like, like we're actually about to be creating some new stuff for the Shindellas for the summertime. Mm-hmm. So we're like, what was like going into errors to see what was making people move and the whole, that's a whole other story. But we were, we were doing Donna Summer research and something like, she, she lived in Germany. Yeah. So like she and 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 what I also didn't realize is that she was a writer. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Much mm-hmm. like Mariah. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? She wrote like because she was very she's very uh, clear about what songs were for and why she did this lyric and mm-hmm. why she sang it this way because that's that even her voice on "Love to Love You" is yeah. totally different than her voice on yeah. "Bad yeah. Girls" yeah. or yeah, 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 or yeah. last. You know what I'm saying? So she knew. So she was doing like what we were. She was there were this interview and she was talking about how she was doing. She was doing Broadway basically yeah. overseas, and knew how to play characters. And so even Donna Summer, Donna Summer is a, was a character. character. Yep. Wow. She said yeah. that. 
Cause she's from she's from she's from Boston. I think yeah, Boston, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Cause when I went to you know <laughs> Berkeley, oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> everyone knew that Donna Summer yeah. was from like from Boston, and even even like her family, some of her family's there. So, but he, that's what I'm saying like in all these places, like Boston and here, like not enough of a deal is being made by the fact that the Donna Summer was from these places, graced the stages of these places. I'm, I'm bugged out about this. Yeah. yeah, the song is so damn good that the the main recording lasts over 16 minutes, and like radio stations were playing that entire version back in the day. Yeah, crazy. Wow, that, that was um, in in the podcast they were talking about how that was um, the head of Casablanca Records, uh, uh, Bogart. Bogart. Yeah. That was his decision mm-hmm. to make it long, 16 minutes long. Yeah, and that broke her career. It's just she's had a she's had a crazy career. That now again, and yo, I know it's your homie, but like the world wants for Kelly Rowland to play Donna Summer. The Kelly world, wants, Kelly wants to play Donna Summer. The whole world wants it to happen, Lord. It should happen. It, it should happen. Let's I, start a petition. It, it's I know there's discussions, Real from, you know, that have been going on for some time, and I know Kelly's, mm-hmm. you know, in our last conversation, maybe about a month ago, she mentioned we talked about it again, and. I'll send y'all different DMs mm-hmm. on like yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. I send her every time there's a something Donna Summer and her related I send it to her just but she's I know the interest is there and the excitement is there and she really wants to star and produce this so I don't you know I'm hoping I, it works I, out I, I feel like it's meant for her and I'll yeah. tell you why because of course Donna Summer is the queen of disco which is kind of like the precursor to what we got in the 80s and 90s and 2000s of dance music, EDM. Mm-hmm. Kelly Rowland dominated EDM. Yeah, she was, yeah, the, she yeah. was the black the, woman the dominating. The yeah. when, uh, what's, what's the song? Play. When, uh, love, when takes, love Takes yeah. Over. Huge smash. Yeah. Like, and I always wish that she had like just stayed that lane because she was like, before Usher came in and did stuff, like Kelly Rowland was the, the one that kind of Kicked it off again for dance music in the 2010. Yeah, no, I think I'm she, hoping it all works she, out. Yeah, my prediction is that if, if it's done right and knowing knowing Kelly and literally anyone from that dynasty, right, it's gonna be done excellently. But like I, I feel like how I see it in my head. If it was done the way it should be done, like Kelly could like it's it's like Oscar worthy stuff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because it's not just about the songs and the show; it's about the real life of it. And I think she could really tap in. Mm. Like the way Andrew Day was Billie Holiday. Yeah. That's, I still haven't seen that by the way. Oh my god, man! That's Everyone just, tells me how yeah, great it is. She, I need she did a great job. Really? Yes. Yeah. I get so much. Television, though, it's so much I need to catch up on. Yeah. It's her commitment, man. Like, okay. she's an actress. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it this week. Yeah, my word. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah she, play, she plays a better uh, Billie Holiday than Diana Ross did. Wow. But that's... Diana Ross, it, it, it's a classic for all kinds of different reasons. And and it's not it's not better. It's just a different version. But her actual depiction of, of Billie Holiday, it's like you're looking at Billie Holiday. Right. It's crazy. State of black music. So what's your, your, what's your uh, favorite Donna Summer song? Mm. Ooh. Oops. Uh, Mine is um, yeah. She Works Hard for the Money. Ooh. That's a great that, one. That, that song is nuts. Yeah. Classic right yeah, there. Classic. So good. Yeah. What about you, Timon? What's your favorite? Um, it's probably a toss-up between "I Feel Love" and um, "Finger on the Trigger." Oh, play "Finger on the Trigger." Yeah, "Finger on the Trigger" is a jam. Quincy Jones and Rod Temperton. Quincy and Rod. <sighs> wow. Yeah, man. And my, my Quincy favorite, the best. My favorite Donna album is the Love Trilogy. Mm. Yeah, that messed me up because in my mind, see, because there doesn't get enough shine that Quincy worked with Donna. Mm-hmm. In my mind, I've always wondered what, I've always, I think I said it on the podcast before, like what would it have been like if Quincy worked with Whitney Houston? Mm-hmm. But that's it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yep. Yeah. 
And that's crazy. Yeah. Because like even the stuff you heard later, actually it's crazy because he wasn't, what's that quote? Quincy, Quincy said a couple years ago, because you know he'd be just he'd be he'd be talking his shit when he said that um Michael Jackson stole the the, the Billy Jean groove from State of In, uh State of Independence. Yeah, play State, State of, of Independence, Independence real fast. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which was produced by Quincy. Claude, what's your favorite Donna Summer song? Okay, well, I think everyone loves Last Dance, but I but I I really love This Time I Know It's For Real. Mm. I love that song. Yeah, that's a good so one. That's my, those are two my, my two favorites. Donna could sing her ass she off. She really She's such could. a great artist because her approach to every song was exactly what the song needed, yeah. what the track required. Right. Crazy. Real What's musician. your favorite, Phil? Man, it's a classic to me. And I loved it, seeing the song in the musical, the, uh, the Donna Summer musical. Mm. Yeah. Two, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beat, beat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Bad Girls is my favorite right yeah, there. Man. That groove. That groove is good. Yo, that's, but that's, that, that's Giorgio Moroder. Moroder, excuse me. They have worked together. Amazing. Amazing. Like, that, that's basically yeah. the invention of the whole disco. What era. year was that? 1979. Mm. That's, that, that's, a, that's, one, that's one of the later ones. Yeah. Because uh, uh, the first... Uh, Love to Love You was the first one. That's like the, at, the, at the top of the seventies, yeah. and that was a, that changed everything about music. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. Our, uh, yeah. Bad Girls was on the uh, the seventh studio album. Like she literally changed the game for a whole decade, and that was right before I don't know what month Bad Girls came out, but that was right before like the to your point earlier, Claude, the hard switch. Yeah. From the seventies to the eighties, where the whole the deliberate disco, switch, yeah, the disco sucks foolishness. Yeah, you know about this, right? That was, the no, disco no. sucks. That that was um in in the late in seventy nine. Seventy nine, yeah. July twelfth, nineteen seventy nine. So, yeah. So basically, like there was a cultural backlash against disco, and like what they were calling now was the hashtag was just disco sucks, and basically it was because disco was taking over the clubs. And of course, whatever the clubs are doing is cool. So that starts to seep into middle American homes. So all the little kids, all the white kids want to be like Studio 54. And it's just yeah. cocaine and sexual freedom and a lot of black artists that were doing stuff. Because you remember the whole thing, it, was, it wasn't just, it wasn't just, it was a lifestyle. Remember, it was like it was, Sylvester came out in the yeah. 70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Donna, uh, Diana Ross had her whole mm-hmm. Nile Rodgers era in the 70s and all that stuff too. Yep. So a lot, a lot of a lot of what's going on was counterculture, and it just built up politically because they were threatened by it. And so it was like a radio. It started with a radio DJ, DJ in yeah. Chicago, yeah. right? And they planned a day, and now everyone who was like a, a, agreed with it, like basically brought, brought all their disco. disco you no, know, I guess it was records onto uh, the baseball field. And they basically like destroyed all the distro- disco records. And then, of course, the press was there. And there's photos of it online. Like the whole thing is, is documented online. And then, like, I don't know how the pressure got on the record labels, but if, but like, it just like everything switched. And so, disco literally ended, like in a, in a day. I've always wondered, like, how y'all get all them damn records? Like, y'all must y'all must have been listening to that shit. Yeah, they all had it. It's like somebody lying. Somebody lying, right? Someone, y'all brought all these records to this field to, to destroy, to destroy them. But I'm like, where y'all get them from? I know y'all didn't just go buy them just to destroy them. And the twisted part about it is that obviously Donna Summer's career didn't end after the '70s, right? Because some yeah. of the records we just played are from the '80s and the '90s. But it killed off so many careers mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. not everyone was able to make oh, that transition. Yeah, to make the transition, unless you were a big enough artist. Like when you're talking about Donna Summer and Diana Ross, they're like they're just going from era to era. Mm-hmm. And delivering you hits in every sound, but most people, if you came out like, like I would imagine, Gloria Gaynor would have been even bigger. Yeah, 
had disco existed. For, but the, and here's a twisted part about it, is that disco actually never left. They just never. killed it for the counterculture because everything was disco after that. Yeah, they brought it back through house music. And mm-hmm. dance, it was in R&B music. R&B, it was, it was definitely that. in pop. Yeah. And then it came back from Sweden. Like all of a sudden, that was all disco records. Yep. I mean, but let's, let's just call it what it is. As long as a white face was on it, it was okay. It was a dance record. They call it, just call it dance yeah. pop. But, but disco, be, I mean, but because a lot of that disco sucks BS was rooted in the dislike for people of color slash black people, black people, and, and homophobia. homophobia. That's yeah. all it was. I yep. mean, so, and I mean, I guess, I guess, I guess it didn't really kill it because, like we said, it's still, but it killed. Yeah, it killed. To this day, disco still the word disco has like a bad connotation to it. It's mm-hmm. just like, oh, there's oh it makes you feel like it's dated. When it really mm-hmm. never died, which is a weird thing. Like it's the only genre that really feels like like it's like a shameful thing yeah. to talk mm-hmm. about, which is crazy because the records are nuts. Yeah. Super nuts. A state of black music. That's such a classic. She Come made on, music, yo. man. Come on, yo. So we had the pleasure of actually going to see the Donna Summer musical yes. recently yes, at yes, TPAC. Uh, what's that? The Tennessee Performing Arts Center mm-hmm. here in Nashville, Tennessee. It's one of the perks of being a co-host here. At <laughs> How about that? We get a lot of free, free <laughs> access. <laughs> access. You know what I'm saying? Swag bags. A little, a little swag bag. Thank you to, is it Danielle? Tomorrow? Danielle Allen. Yes. Thank you, Danielle. Shout for, out to Danielle. Yeah. Thank you for the invitation. But I have to say... The, the musical, I went in a bit skeptical, to be honest, because mm-hmm. I didn't have the pleasure of seeing it on Broadway, um, but I really thought it was great. Yeah. 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 yeah it was I mean, real good. Real good. I mean, fresh take, and you had the multiple Donnas. Yeah, the, and the different eras. Yeah. This was, I yeah, blown away. Yeah. I, yeah. Lo- I love how they they would go from one part of her life to the next just to provide context, mm-hmm. like when something happened in her adult life. They would go back to her childhood to say, okay, this is why this happened. Right. Yeah. I love that about it. it remind reminds me a lot of This Is Us if you're a fan of that show. But okay. yeah, it's the the back and forth is one of the things I enjoyed about it. And we also caught up with the one of the stars of the musical, Britney Smith. Yeah. Yeah. H Town's own. H Town's own. Let's get into that interview real quick. I'm super excited about this week's episode. Uh, we all had the pleasure of recently seeing the Donna Summer Musical at TPAC here in Nashville, Tennessee. And I got to tell you, I was blown away, but we have one of the stars of this amazing, phenomenal musical. And she is, she, she pretty, y'all. And she is, she's in here with our crazy asses today. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Brittany Smith. Hey, hey Brittany, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. So Brittany, right. I got I got to just say I was the last one to got everyone else had saw it, you know, the previous day and you know it was like, "Hey, it's so dope, it's so dope." And I am a big Donna Summer fan. Like me and my friend Kelly Rowland uh, who adores Donna Summer and wants to develop something on the theatrical side at some point uh, around her life and her contribution to just music and she's not just disco. She was she really is iconic and I have to say this Literally leaving the theater last night, I was blown away by the storytelling, the the singing, yep, amazing, the choreography, just everything. It was really exceptional. I, I, and I'm not an easy critic. Tell me, how long did it take to prepare for this role? Gosh, um, so I got this role in July of, of 2021, and um, once I learned that I had it, I you know kind of went into research mode. And so, you know, I'd already had a vocabulary of, of, of Donna Summer. I, I knew who she was, you know what I mean? I knew who she was. I knew her music, you know, I wasn't foreign to her at all. So it was just really an honor to be able to kind of figure out how, especially with my character, Diva Donna, I play the eldest. And I, so I played Donna Summer when she's already achieved and lived and all that good stuff. So like, who was she then? You know what I mean? So there was a, I read a book, which was completely eye-opening to a lot of things that she uh, that she dealt with, you know, personally and professionally. Um, but then, you know, I, you know, did YouTube University, right? I went to uh, so many clips of her from, gosh, uh, back in her younger years when she was brand new on the scene and how she interviewed then all the way up until, you know, a little later on in her life when she, like, was a, a judge on American Idol. And, you know, what was she doing then when she was, you know, in her 50s? And just to see the difference in her voice, how it lowered uh, her humor, 
how she just sat into a lot of things. Um, there are specific movements that I even took from performances that I just incorporated on stage. So a lot of preparation and I still brush up too. I still make sure that I sit and like look at videos so that I'm not uh, being Britney so much on stage that I am doing a little bit of embodiment of, of Donna to put people in the mind of her. State of Black Music. Britney, this is Simone here. So I know not only do you play Diva Donna in the musical, but you also transition into playing her mother. Talk a little bit about, like my, when I saw that on earlier this week, when I saw the musical, I'm like, okay, did she go into the audition process knowing that she was auditioning for both parts? Like, talk a little bit about the audition process and just, did you know that going into it or did you, were you kind of, did they kind of let you know after the fact? Like, just talk a little bit about that, I'm interested. I, I didn't know. I didn't know that I was gonna have the dual role, right? I knew, um, you know, I'd never seen the show. I knew it was on Broadway, I knew that, you know, the people that had played the original roles, um, Storm, Ariana DeBose, uh, you know, LaShawn's, and they are phenomenal, magnificent, right? So big shoes to feel already. Um, and so I, I'd seen that. So I knew there were three Donnas. I knew that they played Donna at different stages of her life, but I hadn't seen it uh, in context. So I really didn't know the script or anything like that. And I did know that Diva Donna also doubles as her own mother. And I do it on stage, right? So I'm um, going into the audition process. I just knew I was coming in as uh, coming in for Diva Donna. I knew that um, I look younger than I am, <laughs> though I, 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 you know, not near the age that Donna, you know, was. I didn't know until, of course, getting the role and getting the script that, oh, you know, you're also playing the mother. So now. Now I'm having to age myself even more. Uh, so really just kind of honing, honing into um, how to do that on stage. It's a lot harder than it looks, right? To kind of go from being one particular age or one particular character and then changing that immediately on stage. I put on a sweater and a hair clip and I changed my voice to be a little sweeter and a little more down home. You know, I changed my walk. You know what I mean? Um, so, I, you know, so there's a lot of nuance there. And so I'm consistently um, learning more every single night and how to, you know, better um, embody the roles. Yeah, it was super seamless, like how the, the, the back and forth between older Donna to, to younger Donna. I thought that was really, really dope. So yeah, great job. Thank you. I have a question because a, a lot of our podcast is, is talking about the state of Black music, which involves bringing up artists, especially artists like Donna Summer, who may not necessarily get the kind of love that we think that she deserves, even though she's iconic. So I'd be curious to know for you as an, as an artist and a performer, Brittany, uh, separate from the fact that you're playing her, what are some of the things you learned as you studied her that have affected you and your career and or and even some things that maybe people our age or people that don't know about her would really need to know to help them get through what the things are getting through? Because she lived a pretty colorful life. She did. She lived a very colorful life. And um, if I had to choose a theme for it, all, I would say resiliency. She was so resilient. And, you know, you all have seen the show now. Um, you know, we really go through, we delve into things that she dealt with as a child. You know, there are people, you know, without telling the show that dealt with things, um, you know, in their families, things at church. You know what I mean? Church hurt is a real thing. Um, and so to not lose her faith, I thought that was really, really important. it really really interesting um and surprising uh and inspiring that she never lost her faith even having dealt with things as a child um things in the music industry i really took away so much resiliency from researching this role from playing it every night um and i resonate with so much just as an artist right as a woman of color in this industry um navigating it alone um wanting to be taken seriously right that was another big theme that donna really really drove home in the show you know she didn't want to just be the sex symbol all the time um and as i relates to my own career uh, not that i necessarily am typecast as like a sex symbol but yeah you go i go into auditions if i can just be really honest you know what i mean there are there's typecasting that happens with people of color um specifically right and so you know i get the sexier sassier roles and stuff like that all the time it's kind of like oh yeah she can totally do that but you know and wanting to be challenged more and going like no there's more depth to me you know you haven't even tapped into that because you're looking at this aesthetic or you're looking at how I'm singing or how I'm moving and you're like yeah we're just we're immediately going to place her uh in that particular box Donna absolutely dealt with that you know what I mean um and so being able to 
to have the agency over your uh, artistic property and your your personal property yourself is just really, really important. So um, that's something that I take from it, being resilient, being able to have that agency over yourself and over your um, artistic and intellectual property. And that's something that I pass on that I want people to to take from the, the show as well. State of Black Music. So Brittany, I got to ask, what's your favorite song to sing in the musical every night? Like, It's got to be a favorite. Uh, that changes every week. I love like bad girls, right? I love the uh, the cadence of it. And now in the show, I love Last Dance, obviously, which is a huge one. That's at the, at the very end of the show. As soon as I don't care where we are, as soon as people hear that very first note in Last Dance, the whole and I kind of like slowly walking down the stage, just kind of you know ad libbing through it. People go crazy because that is their jam. <laughs> Everybody wants to hear Last Dance. So I think I've fallen more in love with Last Dance than I think I ever have. I knew it. I, I loved it. But now it's like, I think it's my favorite to, to do. State of Black Music. I, wanted, I want you to take us back to Houston, um, to the beginning of your um, your, your music musical journey. And just, um, just share with us, what about uh, your upbringing prepared you for where you are today as a musical person? I love that question. Um, I miss Houston. <laughs> so I am, I'm homesick. Uh, I, I started as a young girl. I was seven when I uh, went to performing arts school and got my first acting agent and all that. I joined the union at, by the time I was eight years old. So I've kind of been in this industry a really long time. Um, my mother also used to sing jazz and she has the ability to play six instruments, but she doesn't anymore. But uh, I kind of grew up in a musical family, you know, so cleaning up on Saturday mornings and just playing, you know, playing music and that whole bit. Um, and then I started to play. My, my mother got me into a piano. And then in my adult life, I picked up guitar just because I wanted to. Um, but yeah, Houston was was good to me. You know, um, I am in the age group of the Beyonce's and the Kelly Rollins. So I remember them. I, I come up and I you know come up in that same that same era. In fact, um Matthew Knowles was once my manager. I was lead singer of his uh RB girl group. He was the first R and B girl group that he had signed since Destiny's Child. So I was over at uh, Music World for a number of years. Um I danced for the Houston Rockets. Gosh, um I was a dancer in uh, HBCU band dancer in college at Southern University in, in Louisiana. But um yeah, that you know, my upbringing in Houston was just so rich in 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 culture. Um, just studios like seventy three hundred three, Music World. Um, you know, so many places where a lot of legendary people went. You know, I I came up in the era of and <laughs> so my era. You know what I mean? So I saw so much of it. I saw how the city would come together. Um, you know, for these different musicians, it was such a collaborative effort as well. So you know, some of these people I know personally and have worked with. Um, and especially going forward, you know, in my young adult life after, again, dancing for the Houston Rockets. So I've been a professional dancer starting when I was like 19, was, you know, when I joined that, that team. And then a year or two later being signed with Matthew Knowles. A lot of my performance element have been groomed from literally the Knowles family. You know what I mean? Absolutely being being around there in the music world and uh, being in the in the studio space in the House of Darion Center and writing music and preparing. Um, my group would go to LA every year and I mean running in heels through the park and singing at the same time running on the treadmill and singing at the same time um I wrote most of the music the list goes on right so I mean I have really really come from um an art a very artistic background so sliding into musical theater uh, was was different than kind of my R&B more soulful um upbringing but it's a show like this was just easier you know I I tend to really find a space in musical theater with jukebox musicals which is what this one is called you know your Tina MJ dream girls um you know Donna things like that this is kind of where I find a home state of black music what would be another dream role Brittany like I mean you're playing Donna Summer who's iconic like is there another role that you would say, man, I would love to play this person. Dream role. Tina, Tina Turner. They're actually, uh, they are on Broadway right now and uh, they have a tour coming up this year as well, right? So they will be casting, they're casting that this year. Um, I would love to do Tina. Tina, and that show is difficult, you know what I mean? Because Tina is, 
you know, she's another kind of unsung hero um, as it relates to kind of a younger, more younger generation or Broadway or that kind of thing. You know, I always think it's interesting uh, in a lot of interviews, I'll say it's interesting that Donna, you mentioned Kelly Rowland, which I'm like, please, please be Donna in a biopic, Kelly, please pass it on, please, for me. I'm dying to see her do that. Um, but it's interesting that she doesn't already have a biopic in the way that uh, The Temptations had, you know, their movie or Tina Turner had What's Love Got to Do With It. And now they both have Broadway musicals and tours going on. So there's a younger generation that may not have had so much of an introduction to these icons and legends um, because they weren't born yet. Uh, but that you know, if they've seen that movie and now see Broadway, they kind of make the connection. Donna doesn't have that. If she was such a pioneer, such an icon, specifically um, the girl that plays our duckling Donna, she's 19, and uh, she said, you know, her her only and for her first and only introduction to Donna Summer was Beyonce's um, Naughty Girl, where Beyonce samples "Love to Love You, Baby," and she's like, oh, that's who sings you know, that song. So um, it's really nice to be a lot of people's first introduction to um, to Tiana Summer. But, you know, going forward, I would love to do that for Tina. She, Like I said, she's already she's already running. Um, I also think that my voice type kind of matches that. It, it kind of, it's raspy. It growls pretty easily. I kind of come from that space. So um, I would love to do Tina. Just kind of. Somebody tells me you're, you're beginning to do a lot of cool roles in the future. I hope so. I hope so. I've, I've done a Dream Girls and The Color Purple so far. You know, I've done a you know a lot of these spaces. Now, I really like telling stories about Black people, about people of color. I really love being in this particular space. So I find myself maneuvering through these um, jukebox musicals and, and historical musicals um, that involve people of color a lot. So I, I think I found a, a niche. <laughs> State of Black music. What was your first uh, memory of Donna Summer? Uh, so, again, I'm from Texas, right? And I used to be a really big fan of Selena. And Selena was a, a very big disco fan. And so I didn't know much about disco as a, as a kid. You know, when Selena passed, I was still in elementary school. Um, but I definitely knew Selena. We knew and loved Selena in Texas. And so even in her live shows, uh, Selena would do a disco set. And she would do um, on the radio and, you know, different Donna Summer songs. And she would also do like I Will Survive, you know, other disco hits. Um, But that was my first memory of Donna Summer, hearing Selena or watching Selena do her disco set when I was probably, you know, eight or nine years old, something like that. Um, And and asking my mom, again, who was the resident musician in my house, who's that? What's that? Um, That's how I fell in love with even people like Donny Hathaway, who was like my favorite of all time. My mother showed me the uh, original movie Sparkle when I was nine. And that's actually when I got bit by the performer bug. I knew I wanted to sing and be a performer after watching that. But I made her go give me Donny Hathaway's live album because I just loved giving up, which uh, was saying, you know, in the in the movie. So, um, yeah, but that's Selena live show. That's my first, first memory of Donna. State of Black Music. The name of our podcast is called State of Black Music. So I want to ask you, what do you think the current state of Black music is? Um, I think that it it has evolved, for sure. Um, I think for... The younger generation, they're the, you know, they are really creative and there are some really interesting sounds. And I've I noticed a lot more sampling, too, which um, we have to pay homage to the pioneers. Right. Because there's so many, you know, I remember, um, you know, like when Kanye first came out and he was like the sample king and he did it so like effortlessly and tastefully. You know, you almost didn't know. Um, you know, I remember when he first came out and there were samples and things like that. But now I see so, so much of it and so many um, artists specifically of like the 90s are being sampled by uh, this, you know, generation's uh, black music. Um, so I, I like it. I do wish that we could get back to uh, some more authenticity. I do wish that we could get back to being celebratory of things like love. Now it's like, you know, I, I was uh, the girl that plays Duckling. Like we are very close. And uh, I'm like, it's like big sister, little sister. And so I was putting her on like all the, you know, I, I love 90s r I'm like a student of it. You know what I mean? And she was in my hotel room just last week and I was putting her on like um, Jodeci. <laughs> Drew, and these are things that she did not know. She's 19, right? I'm like, Drew Hill, beauty, come on. And she's like, 
don't know. And I and so I'm pulling it up and I'm even pulling up clips of, of Jodeci and Silk and so singing like on Video Soul back in the 90s. And she's just completely, completely fascinated. And she's like, they don't do this anymore. I'm like, yeah, they were crying on the records about their woman, you know, and women loved it and men loved it. And, it, you know, I wish we could get back there in Black music to where we are okay with expressing whatever emotion that is. And we're not all really trying to follow the same uh, blueprint get a bunch of quick singles um i heard beyonce say once in an interview that i really really you know agree with you know a lot of people don't really make full bodies of music anymore a lot of um you know we everything has become so digital we're not buying the albums from the stores anymore we're not creating these full bodies of work that tell full stories and, I, and i'm not saying everybody but if we're talking just in my my mind the current state of black music as a whole i think uh you know we're we're in that space the digital space where it's like what's the hottest thing that's going to be next which the what's the next saying was you know that we're with, that we're using right now that we can make a song out of but then when it's done you know, I don't think that there's many classics um, and I really want to give back to, to that. And I do think there are people that are helping in that effort. You know, her uh, lucky day. You know what I mean? There are so many that we could just go through a name and I'd be rambling. But um, I would love to get back to, to the authenticity of, of black music. Authenticity is key. State of black music. Uh, Brittany, I want to play a quick game before you jump. Um, we have a game called Keep or Kill that we do here at the State of Black Music Podcast. We don't literally have to kill anybody, but we it's basically this or that. So wh whichever is your preference, there is no right or wrong answer. It's all on you. So I'm going to rattle off uh, two situations and you tell me which one is your, your preference. So I'll kick it off with Michael Jackson of Prince. God, why? Why would that be the first one? Um, oh, man. Um, Prince. I know I liked you for a reason. See, I love you. The Donny Hathaway wow. people now, Prince. See, I love Britney. But they are both, uh, you know. Jo oh, Jodeci Lord. avoids the men. I'm sorry? Jodeci or boys to men? Jodeci. TLC. That one, that one was easy for me. That was easy. Okay. TLC or SWV? SWV. This one, let's not get in trouble because they're all friends of ours, but we love them all. Destiny's Child, the three, Michelle, Kelly, and B, or the original Destiny's Child with B, Kelly, and Latavia and Latoya? DC4 or DC3? I'm going to go with DC4. I rock with DC4. I, I, you know, they had a self-titled album. I loved Writings on the Wall. To me, was a classic album. Um, yeah, I miss Latavia's low tone. And, you know, Latoya fitting right in. The, yeah, yeah, four. But Michelle's amazing. <laughs> amazing, amazing. I love Destiny's job. But if I had to choose. Acting or singing? Um, singing. And the Donna Summer uh, song, do uh, like Last Dance or on the radio? On the radio. You I like your taste. You are me. State of black music. This has been super professional, but I feel like we got to ask you something. All right. So live shows, especially theater, is a you'll never know what you're going to get every single night. So. Without spilling too much beans on the on the cast, what's the craziest thing that's happened behind the scenes from the audience on stage? What's the craziest thing that's happened on, at the, the craziest? Um, gosh, uh, okay, something recently. I don't know if it's the craziest because we've had several things. I mean, audience members yell out things, which is always really interesting. Kind of throws us off a little bit, but you know, we dig it. Uh, recently, though, we had a cast member. Um, he plays Bruce. He's going to kill me if he sees it, but whatever. He'll laugh. Uh, he plays Bruce in the show, which is like Donna's husband, you know, love interest and then eventual husband, you know, until until she passes. And um, he is supposed to come on when I'm there and we're kind of in the latter half of the show. And I'm doing this song called Unconditional Love, where I'm talking to the daughters and the whole nine. He's supposed to come on. And he doesn't come on stage. <laughs> it happened uh, a couple of weeks ago. 
he doesn't come on stage. And the next line is like his, he walks behind me. So I don't know that he's not there. And I look over in the wings because I'm like, he's not there. The band is playing. I look over and one of the cast members is like this in the wings. Like he ain't coming. And on the fly, I'm like, <laughs> okay. So I look over and I'm supposed to be talking to Duckling Donna, you know, who's also Mimi, the youngest uh, daughter at this time. And she looks at me like, like, I can't help you, ma'am. She was like, I, you know, she looked at me like, I can't help you. But we have to get through this song, right? Because I, you know, that song is, um, they're just vamping. I just have to musically, know, you know, time my words to where it stops on the downbeat, then I can start singing. It's that intricate. And so he's not there. There's this open space and we're like, what do we do next? So I start saying his lines. <laughs> like, I just made it about me. Hey, Mimi, I got an offer, blah, 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 blah. He's supposed to come on. I kind of just changed his lines set him as if I were him and but I'm me it was a lot and basically he had gotten sick and was vomiting off stage and could not come on and they ran over like in the wings like he ain't coming on girl it just in on the fly we're looking over like what <laughs> yeah that was that was a tense one because yeah what do you do then <laughs> what do you do wow that is a crazy yeah movie. I had to just start saying his lines but I mean I, I you got to kind of really think on the fly. That was probably the craziest. Wow. That's a professional. Uh, such a, a professional. This is, I'm, I'm amazed. State of black music. Esther Roll Award. So the, our podcast is obviously in association with the National Museum of African-American Music, which I'm not sure you had time to check out because uh, theater schedule is the craziest schedule of all. Absolutely. But we do a thing here that we call the Esther Roll Award. And I'm explaining the Esther Roll Award. We basically made it up, but it's, it's pretty official now. We've asked lots of cool people this question. It's basically nominate uh, uh, a black entertainer, it can be from theater, recording artist, actor, whatever, who we feel is under celebrated, i.e. Donna Summer. But since Donna Summer is is currently, you're currently playing her in a musical, she's not, she's not who I want to talk about. I'm curious to know who you think deserves the musical treatment for their amazing life and music that hasn't gotten it next. Who would be your Esther Roll Musical Theater Award recipient? Okay, okay. That hasn't really gotten, wow. Because Tina would definitely be one. Um, uh, let's, wow. <laughs> that is a tough one. Um, as as far as like, I'm, I'm thinking singers are, uh, are concerned, people like Minnie Rippleton, you don't really hear much about her. Um, gosh, who else? Um, oh my goodness. This is a tough one. Do people always kind of have a, have a tough time with this one? Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, Donna was such a great one. I'm trying to think of who was even in that, um, gosh. Gladys Knight. Um, That's a great one. Yeah. Gladys Knight, for sure. She's somebody that immediately comes to mind. Um, I audition songs from, you know, from her catalog all the time. You know, when I go in for certain shows and they want something from, they'll say, you know, in the casting notice, the Motown era and and I, I tend to like to audition songs that I don't think anybody else is going to sing. Um, and so I sing If I Were Your Woman by Gladys Knight all the time. You know what I mean? I mean, she was, you know, um, Patti LaBelle. Patti LaBelle and Gladys Knight. Those are two. Um, I'm going to go with those two for sure. I don't know That's which one, you know, more of, but they did so much. People have sampled their music. They don't have movies and uh, shows about them or anything like that, but they are they're still here and kicking and doing versus battles and touring and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm going to say Patty or Gladys. State of Black Music. What would be something for someone on the fence, you know, maybe saying, you know, I don't know if I want to see the Donna Summer musical. I'm thinking about it. I might want to go. What would you say to that person or people that are on the fence about going to see the musical? You know, it is... A, a, an honor to be able to come back into live theater. We were void of theater for 
a year and a half. That alone, we are so excited to just be on stage and we're literally giving it our all because we understand what this pandemic did to our industry. Um, And I always say, you know, I, I say creatives are arguably were arguably the most affected, I think, by um, by the pandemic. We couldn't really switch to working from home. You know, I couldn't do this at my house, and so we're we're eager and we're hungry because we are. are there's a renewed sense of like uh, appreciation for what we're doing. So we want people to come out. First of all, because of that, like these people did not even have theater for a year and a half. They are probably going to (laughs) be sweating it out and passing out on stage. And we are Um, not only that, you know, why not come back into live theater in the middle of a global pandemic to a party that's celebrating this black woman that was this global icon and cultural figure in music. Like, come support that. You know what I mean? Specifically that state of black music. Do you guys have a favorite part of the show? I really want to know. Mine was the beginning. Well, I have a couple. I have a couple uh, favorite parts. The beginning because it. I'll say that I kind of came in. I was a little weary from the day, and then like the show, it kicks off with like, and it made me just kind of perk up. So that was a favorite part of mine. And then, um, the second part was was it the uh, the stamp your feet part? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That that was that was one of my favorite parts as well. But yeah, the whole bad girls for me. I love Bad Girls. Bad Girls is just such a production the toot toot, beep beep. You know what I mean? Like I yeah, I like that. That's that was a highlight for me. I'm I'm loving that. Shout, yeah. shout out to all of us that love the toot. Oh, I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we know why you like we know why you like bad girls. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 hey, it's one of my favorites too. They are going for it, so I get it. <laughs> they going for it. They going for it. Is there anything else that you want to share with us, Brittany, that we haven't mentioned yet? Because we, we, you are also a brilliant black woman who's doing amazing art. So it's not just about Donna, it's about also celebrating you here because this is this is what it's about. Is, is, is we're, we're paying it forward by letting people know who the next are. So please share with everyone here where they can find more information about you and things you're working on now and beyond this because you want to support what you're doing. Oh, that I love that. Thank you so much. Um, I actually, well, I'm on Instagram um, and it's uh, bbenae08. So that's B-B-E-N-A-I-08, uh, which is just my first initial, my middle name, Benay, and then, you know, 08. I'm an AKA. So. Um. <laughs> see, I knew we, see, we knew, come on, see, I knew we love Britney. Come on, Diamonds and Pearls. Come on, Cap Out the Time. Oh, what yeah, up, let's go. Yes, I'm an AKA. Uh, you know, a two time graduate of HBCU. So I'm all about the culture and our people doing this, you know, doing amazing work um, on stage. I actually created a performing arts scholarship. Um, and it's called the a demo scholarship. A demo means let's go in Croatian. And it's in the name of my uh, best friend, Christopher Bryant, who was a performer and, and he, he passed away in 2020. And so um, I, I said, and we toured the world together, you know, and literally my best friend, 16 or 17 years, also from Houston, Texas. And, um, you know, I'm always shouting him out. I literally am always like, I'm, I said I was going to keep his memory alive. So um, that, that's my way of doing it. And the scholarship is donation based and it is, um, for artists, young artists and creatives of color, you know, that are, you know, pursuing artistic endeavors. I just want to make sure that I continue to pay it forward and help them out um, because I, I, I understand. I understand the struggle. I understand the strongholds of being an artist. So those are things that I'm working on. That's where you can find me. Awesome. Thank you, Brittany. It's been amazing. Go see the music, everybody. Thank you so much. H-Town, HBCU, let's go. Yes, oh, Lord. <laughs> HBTU crowd over here, Norfolk State. What up? Black music. I live in DC, so I, you know, know all about those schools up there. Which is next to where Virginia, I believe, DC, oh, right there. The whatever, just, here we go. Just, I, I, Brittany's just, I just feel it today. I'm just, she's saying all the right things. Thank you, Brittany. It's been amazing. We love you. Thank you so much for taking your time. Thank you, Thank you guys so much. This is beautiful. Thank you very much. State of black music. Make them sing to this thing like a melody. And if your girl ain't right, I got the remedy. It ain't too many of them that can handle me. Bad chick, I could be your fantasy. That's the remix. Lotto and Mariah Carey. Lotto. Featuring DJ Khaled. Big energy. 
remix. I just wanted to play that just to celebrate these two amazing women doing great things. And happy anniversary again to Mariah Carey, my friend, celebrating you. It is Aries season for anybody wondering right now. Oh, it's, it's a whole mood. Like, oh, it's, a, it's a whole thing, you know. Shout out to all my Aries. I mean, from the Grace to Aretha to Shaka to Pharrell Williams, Babyface. You know, so many of us, we can't even keep track. I mean, London on the track, shout out to you. I mean, it's so a, many. It's a whole mood. It's a whole yeah. mood, though. We are, Diana Ross. Let us see. Diana Ross. Yeah, on. man. Jill Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can keep going, literally. The, the songstress. The songstress, <laughs> yes. The, the, the ladies that, that, that give us the, the hits. Absolutely. So, right. but shout out to MC and all the Aries. Shout out to Brat, all my Aries folks out there. Like, what are you doing yeah. for your birthday? Hmm, we're still working through that. Mm. Right. Where's, where's the turn up happening? It will be out of state. It won't be in Nashville because I'll be filming. So Okay. Yeah, but working through that as long right as, like, as long as we're blessed with the invite. Oh, yeah. You know please come. Come on. Come on. I, th- I think I'm going to do it with Amaretta the Great. <laughs> in Atlanta. In Atlanta. In Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> you can send the private jet. Right. right come, get, come on. Come, come on, get Phils. the guys. Send the private jet. You know what? For your boys. Send the private jet. Send, send the peach. Send the peach, boy. State of black music. Cool, man. Yo, this has been a um a good conversation. Yeah, man. In yeah. my opinion. Super dope. What are we going out on? It's a good question. Let's go out on some Donna. I was gonna say uh, what I was gonna say. Uh, we should we should definitely go out on Donna. Is that like just so, just so you know, like she was in terms of pop culture, she's overlooked. But I was looking at this thing where like different people were commenting on when she passed. Mm. Like you said, it happened within all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, like everybody. It's yeah. like it's like Aretha Franklin, Patti LaBelle, Dolly Parton, um, Janet Jackson, Mariah Carey, Quincy Jones, Barbara Streisand, Ellen DeGeneres. You know what I'm saying? Like the music industry definitely recognized that she was gone, but I definitely think that it's time for the Donna Summer movie. Where is the Donna Summer movie? Yeah. And what I love about- Where is it? everyone in the industry is that they knew disco was her lane. Like she was mm-hmm. the queen of disco. Right. Like even Dion Ward was like, she never touched disco because she was like, Donna Summer had it on lock. Ain't no need for me even going into the disco lane. I love that. What's going on last dance? Okay. I love that. Let's do it. You feel what I'm saying to you? Thanks again to Danielle Allen and everyone at TPAC for the hospitality. Yeah. yeah. Special shout out to Brittany Smith for Brittany the amazing Smith. conversation. Yes. yes. What's our socials again? Follow us where? State of Black, State Black, Black Music Podcast and SOBM Podcast, right? Yep. Yes. On all the socials, all find us. And shout out Namam. Shout out Namam. The National Museum of African American Music. Music. Located Absolutely. in downtown Nashville. And stay tuned. We're going to have more uh, updates as far as live tapings. Yep, yeah, they're coming. Man. They mm-hmm. are coming soon during June. Yeah, yeah come out and see us live. <laughs> live. <laughs> live. <laughs> live. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's been, it's, it's, been, it's been a good conversation. It's been good to honor someone who deserved honoring. Yeah. So, yeah, last dance. Let's, let's, let's do that. Until next time, y'all. We out of here. Until Peace. next time. Holla. Peace. Peace.